Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. is the greatest picture I have ever made. And I've got the angle on the trailer. Boys, we've got to get across to the public that that picture has everything. Why, it's hilarious. It's romantic. It's tender. It's charming. It's delightful. It's exciting. And it's groovy. Yes, yes, Mr. Schaefer. That does it, boss. Mr. Schaefer, you've got a great idea. Naturally. Now, I'll tell you what we do. Alright guys, welcome back to the 12 Days of Christmas Movies. This is episode 8, Miracle on 34th Street. I'm your host Jimbo. Uh, Unfortunately, Terrence couldn't make it to this one. Um, I've been sick and uh, he's been working a lot, so we're going to get through this one. So, Miracle on 34th Street, release date, October 2nd, 1947. Gross USA, $2.65 million. uh, Directed by George Seaton. The writing credits were George Seaton for this uh, screen and Valentine Valentine Davies for the story. The technical specs 
runtime, one hour and 36 minutes, or one hour, 41 minutes, 101 minutes on the DVD. Uh, sound mix, mono, western, electric recording. Color was black and white. Aspect ratio, 1.37 to 1. Film length, 2,640 meters or 10 reels. Negative format, 35 millimeters. Cinematographic process, spherical, and printed format, uh, film format, 35 millimeter. And now we're off to the awards, as Terrence would do. The Academy Awards, USA from 1948. Winner of the Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, a role Edmund Gwynn. The Best Writing, Original Story, Valentine Davies. Best Writing for the Screenplay, George Seaton. And they also had an Oscar nominee for the Best Picture from 20th Century Fox. Also, the Golden Globes, USA, from 1948. There was a winner, Best Supporting Actor Edmund Gwynn, and a winner for Best Screenplay for George Seaton. So they won two Golden Globes as well. The Locarno International Film Festival from 1948, they winner, uh, the Best Screenplay Adapted by George Seaton. The National Film Preservation Board in 2005, it won, got to go into the National Film Registry. And the Online Film and Television Association in 2016, it was the winner for the motion picture for the OFTA Film Hall of Fame. Um, a couple other things about the awards real quick. It's the only film to feature an Oscar-winning Santa Claus portrayed as played by Edmund Gwynn. It was also the only film in 1947 to be Oscar-nominated for Best Picture, but not Best Director. Also, it was the only Best Picture Oscar nominee of the year to be also nominated for Best Story. So there's a little bit of extra information about that. Uh, the synopsis of this movie, if you haven't seen it, is an elderly man claims to be Santa Claus and is institutionalized for being insane until a young lawyer takes up his case to prove he is the real Santa Claus. And this movie right here, this is probably one of my personal favorite Christmas movies. Um, I loved it when I was a kid. I went back and watched it recently, and I still love it, still get the, the sense of happiness and enjoyment out of it. And the little girl that played in here, um, she Susan, she is just uh, she's just something else. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about the cast. You got Maureen O'Hara as Doris Walker, John Payne as Fred Gailey, Edmund Gwynn as Chris Kringle, and he is perfect. And by the way, his beard was real. And also, he, he first uh, he did, he wasn't the first choice. It was actually his cousin that was the first choice, but he turned it down. So Chris or uh, Edmund got it. Gene Lockhart as Hun uh, Henry X Harper, Natalie Wood as Susan Walker and she does an outstanding job in this movie um, just her facial expressions and the way she carries on herself um, also Porter Hall as Granville Sawyer William Frawley as Charles Holleron Jerome Cohen as District Attorney Thomas Mara Philip Tung as Julian Shellhammer and then here's some people that were in here that were uncredited um, Yeah, Jack Albertson as the Mel Sorter Harry uh, Antrim as R.H. Macy. A little fact, uh, there's no way that Macy could have, the real Macy could have been in this movie, or as far as portrayed in this movie, because he died several years earlier. Layla Bliss as Mrs. Shellhammer. Jeff Corey as the reporter. Mary Field as Dutch Girl's adopted mother. William Forrest as Dr. Rogers at Bellevue. Uh, Alvin Greenman as Alfred. Teresa Harris as Cleo, the walkers and maid housekeeper. Percy Helton as Drunken Santa Claus. Herbert Hayes as Mrs. Or Mr. Grimble. Robert Carnes as second Bellevue intern. Snob Pollard as Mel Baring court officer. Thelma Ritter as Peter's mother. 
and James C. as Dr. Pierce, physician at the Brooks Memorial Home for the Insane, or for the Aged, sorry, not the Insane. So what we have with this story is there is a uh, Macy's department store that always, you know, they're famous for their big Thanksgiving Day parade, and this lady has a daughter, and the daughter, she's raised her daughter very, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, conservative, I guess. Uh, she doesn't believe there's Santa Claus, or she doesn't believe in fairy tales or legends, or she doesn't know half uh, some of the stories uh, that the uh, classic uh, stories that uh, have been told. Uh, her mother's a divorcee. Um, there is a gentleman that's interested in her mother and takes interest in the daughter, you know, uh, trying to open her eyes to some other things. Um, there, Then there's this man. Uh, it starts off with this older gentleman, a uh, guy white beard. He's walking down the sidewalk, and he notices that the store uh, person putting in the window display is putting the reindeer in the wrong places. And he goes in to correct them. And he's like, well, that's much better, you know, and then he walks on. Well, come to find out, he goes down to uh, the, the parade and he sees a bunch of Santa Clauses and uh, one of them's drunk. And so, uh, long story short, if you haven't seen this, I'm not going to dive along deep into this. He ends up becoming the Macy Santa Claus for the parade. And the people love him so much that they offer him a job as uh, the actual Santa Claus into the department store where the kids can come sit on his lap. Um one thing that stands out in this movie is when when the kids are coming to Santa's lap and, and you know, the kids are like, um, I want this certain fire truck with all the hose and bells and whistles and all that. And his mom's over there shaking his head, no, 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 you know, I can't find it, basically. And uh, Santa Claus like, okay, if that's what you want, then that's what you're going to get. And, the, and so the mom's like, okay, go ahead and go on over here, Johnny. I need to talk to Santa. And Santa's like, are you out of your, or she's like, are you out of your mind? You know, I told you. There is no way I could get this. I've been everywhere. He's like, well, if, actually, he's like, if you go over here to our competitor up the road, he's like, they have them, and I think it's like seven ninety nine. And so this struck a nerve with the lady. The lady came up to the uh, manager. She's like, I can't believe this. She's like, your Santa Claus is sending us to other places. And she's like, you know, I used to not really like shopping here, but now I'm going to bring my business back here. So he becomes a big hit by telling all these people where they can go get the toy or gift that they're looking for at competitors' prices. Well, this starts the whole thing between Macy and the other department store. Like, oh, well, they think they can do that. Well, we're going to send some of our business here. So sets up a pretty good thing. Well, and this whole thing, he didn't have nowhere to say. His real name is Chris Kringle uh, when he goes for the interview. Well, they want him to have uh, some sort of test done to see if he's insane. So uh, basically they've turned him down and they're like, well, you better get him back because he's bringing a bunch of business back to the store and our customers love it. So they bring him back all the, uh, they finally find him. And uh, so they're going along just fine. He didn't have a place to stay. So the uh, the gentleman that's, um, I can't think of his name right now, the gentleman that's uh, interested in the mother, uh, he's like, well, you can stay with me because she was going to have him stay with the store owner. So there's a scene where he's like, I have to stay up to find this question out. He said, the whole, I've always wondered if Santa Claus sleeps with his whiskers in or out of the blankets or tucked in. And he's like, I leave them out because cold air makes them grow. So there you go. If you're trying to uh, grow a beard, make sure you sleep with your face uncovered. Just a little tip. So through this all, um, the man and, and the daughter, Susan, they, they, they become a friendship. He's like, well, just they go to see Santa Claus. And uh, she's like, well, he's a nice thing. She's like, and, and she's like, you're the best one my mom's hired yet. She's like, I don't even see the little string holding your beard on. He's like, cause it's real. He's like, go ahead, pull it. And so she goes to pull on his beard and he's like, ouch, or whatever. And her face just lights up and, and he's like, see, he's like, I told you they were real. And she's like, well, you're certainly the best one my mom's ever hired. 
so they come over to he comes over to dinner, you know, and then there's a scene where there she doesn't have a really active imagination, and you see him teaching her, you know, if they were in a zoo to be a monkey, and you know they're walking around, you know, like this, um, with their arms on head, going oh, 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 you know, and and making faces and like this, and uh, the guy is loving it because she's actually doing a, something with her imagination, and her mom was quick to put her away. Well, come to find out that. Uh, he goes to have another exam or whatever, and uh, they trick him into going. Uh, instead of full-time employment, he thought he was going downtown to see the mayor or something. They end up taking him to the uh, place to get the tested for the insane uh, diagnosis. So they get down there, and they, they put him in there. And We'll just go ahead and skip a lot of this because I know a lot of people have seen this movie. Some of you haven't. Make sure you watch it. But he ends up going to trial, and... Uh, they ask him, will you promise to be truthful? He's like, sure, I've got nothing to hide. So he's on trial, and um, the defense, uh, not the defense, the um, the other one, the, the spring of the charges against him, you know, they're trying to disprove that he's not the real Santa Claus. And uh, so he, they, the defense brings in the other lawyer's a little boy, and he's like, do you believe in Santa Claus? He's like, yeah. He's like, and do you know, do you see Santa Claus? I guess, like, sure, he's sitting right over there. So, and he's like, well, how do you know that? He said, because my daddy said so, and my daddy wouldn't lie. And I always thought that was really good because now the dad is like, oh, man, now I've drugged my family into it. And a lot of his family won't speak to him because he's putting Santa Claus on trial. So they're trying to find a way to prove, uh, the defense is trying to prove that he is Santa Claus. There has to be some sort of government uh, official that will uh, recognize him as the actual Santa Claus. So the defense, uh, they go home and, and Susan is like, man, I'm going to write him a letter. And his mom, her mom reads it and signs her name. She's like, I believe too. And so they come to the the, uh, the courtroom the next day. Well, in between scenes, you see uh, people at the post office, like the postmaster. And he's like, um, what do we do with this? He's like, there's another one uh, dressed as Santa Claus. He's like, hey, aren't they putting him on trial down at the courthouse? And they're like, yeah. He's like, well, that's the way we get rid of these uh, mail, the, the mail that's taken up room. So as they're in there and, and the defense brings up these three little pieces of these three letters, uh, the lawyer, the lawyer's like, are you sure these are the only the only three? He's like, no, I got more. He's like, but you won't want to see them. He's like, the judge is like, bring them here. And he's like, I want them on my desk. So he's like, are you sure, Your Honor? He's like, yeah. So here it comes in and it's actually 21 bags of mail to Santa Claus. So they bring this and they just start dumping it all over his desk. You know, every single one of them has been uh, issued to Santa Claus. And the defense was like, hey, you know, the mail is recognized as an official government uh, proving that this man is Santa Claus. And here they have delivered the mail to Chris Kringle. He's right here in the courtroom. And the judge is like, this case is over. You know, it is Santa Claus. Well, the whole time, Susan has been wanting this. The only thing she's asked Santa Claus for is a house with a swing on it. Uh, swing in the backyard so at the end of the movie you know he gives them directions he's like here you need to take this he's like it's christmas eve i'm going to be busy he's like but when you go home take these take this direction so they take this direction to this house and and susan's like stop the car stop the car so she runs out they're like susan where are you going she's like it is she's like it is he, he got me what i wanted he got me what i wanted she's like my room's exactly how i pictured it and she's like i gotta run out back to see if there's a swing and sure enough there's a swing in the backyard and um, the lawyer looks over in the corner and you see the cane that Santa had been using. And he's and she's like, oh, it could be. And he's like, maybe. He's like, just maybe. And that's how it ends. So it's a fantastic movie. So let's dive into some facts real quick. So there's a there's a scene where a Dutch girl uh, comes and sits on Santa's clap. And Santa's asking her what she wants for Christmas. 
the mom's like, well, you know, she doesn't know English and uh, she doesn't really say what she wants anything. And uh, so Santa Claus, he's like, well, I got this. So he starts speaking in Dutch to her. And the untranslated dialogue of what the girl says back to him is touching. She says she doesn't want nothing. She says she got her only gift by being adopted by her new mother. And I thought that was amazing. The mother was really great about it, really enjoyed it. Uh, According to Natalie Wood's biographer during the shoot, the young actress was convinced that Ed McGuinn was the actual Santa Claus. And by all accounts, Gwen was a very good-natured man on the set. It wasn't until Wood saw him out of costume at the rap party that she realized he wasn't Santa. So that's really great, too. Uh, that guy just played a perfect Santa Claus. Um, this 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 film was shot. It was really especially cold winter in New York. Uh, the cameras literally froze at times. So Maureen O'Hara remembered that a woman named Vaughn Melly lived across the street from where they were shooting exteriors and allowed the crew to warm up inside of her house. In gratitude, O'Hara took Melly and her husband to the famed Twenty One restaurant, and Mel was so excited all she could drink was a glass of milk. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, they also, the whole crew loved Edmund Gwynn as Santa Claus. They actually loved him. Alan Green, who's played the soft-spoken janitor Alfred, called Gwynn a dear, dear man. And Robert Hyatt, who played the judge's son Tommy Jr., said in a 2001 interview, he was a really, really nice guy, always happy, always smiling. He had this little twinkle in his eye. And Marino O'Hara added, by the time we were halfway through the shoot, we believed Edmund really was Santa Claus. I've never seen an actor more naturally suited for a role. So there you have it. That is just amazing. So it just goes to show you the kind of actors that they picked out and the vision that they had for it. Uh, so they all loved him. And it, and so did, obviously, the Oscars because he won one. Um, this actually received a B rating uh, for the morally objectable in part because the uh, from the uh, highly influential Legion of Decency because Maureen O'Hara played a divorcee. So, like I said, different times, different rules. Uh, the uh, Edmund Wayne, the guy that played Chris Kringle, he actually gained 30 pounds to play the role. Uh, the little kid uh, that came up there and, you know, that, hey, is this really Santa Claus in the courtroom? And he said, because my daddy told me he was, or told me so. It wasn't in the original script. That kid made that up. I thought that was very interesting. Also, uh, Santa Claus improvised his reaction to this bear pool so that Natalie Wood would be surprised. So he actually improvised. So even in this older movie, you see some impro- improv- the, the improvisions. Uh, that the filmmakers left in there. Uh, in 2006, this was ranked number nine on the America's Film Institute's 100 Most Inspiring Movies of All Time. Um, Percy Halton, who played the drunk Santa at the beginning that he takes over for, was also in White Christmas in 1954, where he played the train conductor. So look for him in the future when you watch White Christmas. Uh, Gene Lockhart, who played the judge, co-starred another Christmas classic, playing Bob Cratchit in Edwin L. Marin's A Christmas Carol in 1938. Another great movie. Uh, they've remade that so many times. There's some great ones. Um, like I said earlier, R.H. Macy passed away in 1877. There's no way he could have been affiliated with the store in the 1940s when this was shot. Um, and also, as I say, there was 21 bags of mail that was dumped on the desk. And last but not least, I thought this was interesting. One of the letters to Santa Claus delivered by New York's post office is postmarked Indianapolis, Indiana, which is crazy because that's where this is actually being recorded. So there you have it. There's a lot more stuff in here, um, a lot of different stuff that we could talk about. But I figured it'd be better for you to watch the movie first and uh, come up with your own conclusions. Uh, this is one of my favorite Christmas movies, like I said earlier. Uh, just the, the way Susan, the little girl, just acts. Uh, she's very very good actress, even for such a young age. Um, just her facial expressions, her attitude, 
the mom, uh, she's pretty pretty good at this too. Marino Harris, she's really good at this too. And uh, the, the, just the guy that plays Santa Claus is amazing. Um, the whole entire movie, I enjoyed it. Uh, they've remade this a couple of times, I know. Uh, but there's nothing like the original. So uh, make sure you check this movie out, definitely. And with that being said, I think this episode's coming to close. And be on the lookout for tomorrow when we discuss the episode 9, The Polar Express. So stay tuned for that. And that's a wrap on this episode. And cut.